Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Cavalcade of America, presented by DuPont, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Offering the music and a portrait of the music maker of an era, America's beloved composer... Victor Herbert. In our day of 1940, the music of Victor Herbert holds an affectionate place in American life. Coming to us from an era of handsome cabs, leg of mutton sleeves, and the cigar store Indian. These melodies are still treasured today as they were in the years that are gone. For the music of Victor Herbert was woven in a pattern of unity throughout the generations. Everybody liked it. Teddy Roosevelt liked it. And back in 1905, an audience of the day sat spellbound when Fritzy Chef came down to the footlights and sang, Kiss Me Again in Mademoiselle Moudin.
Mr. Herbert, now. Delighted, Mr. Herbert, delighted. Thank you, Mr. President. I asked you to come up here to my box to say all the congratulations in the world, sir. I'd hoped you'd enjoy it tonight, Mr. Roosevelt. Tonight, we'll all be enjoying that music for years to come. That song Miss Shep sang, Kiss Me Again. That's bully. You think it'll be popular? Mr. Herbert, they loved it. Now, why not be our guest for a few days? You haven't anything to do now for a while? As a matter of fact, I have, Mr. President. I'm thinking about a new operetta. What? Don't you ever let up writing these tunes? <laughs> There's too much fun in it, Mr. President. Anyway, I've got to leave for New York tonight. We have to be ready for rehearsals any day now. Now, I've plenty to do, all right. Wait, uh, stop here a minute, my boy. Oh, over. Over. Emma. Afternoon, Mr. Oh, good Herbert. Afternoon, Mr. Herbert. Going to be late for rehearsal, aren't you? Oh, no. We thought we'd walk away and take a hansom further down the avenue. Come on, get in. We'll drive down together. Thank you, Mr. Hi. Herbert. All right, here we are. All right, cabby. Get up. Well, I hope you're in good voice today. I've got a new song here. You want another one, Mr. Herbert? Yes, for you to sing, my boy. And I think you'll both like it. Here. How's it look? Let's see. Come on, Emma, sing it with me. That's it. Great. Falling in love. Wonderful. There are going to be so many good numbers in Naughty Marietta, Mr. Herbert. We'll see. We'll see the opening next week. Then we'll know. The opening night of Naughty Marietta. It was 1910. The New York Theater and the fashionable audience thrilling to the music. Those never-to-be-forgotten melodies. Thank you. 
1910. They were wearing the sheath skirts, and William Howard's hat was in knickers playing golf. Those are the days, perhaps, we've forgotten, but not the melodies of Victor Herbert, the music we were hearing in Matoma. Victor Herbert's American Grand Opera, a lifelong ambition. It was the time when we were talking about the Bull Moose Party, and Teddy was on a nationwide tour, and we were toasting the captivating Nora Bay. And there was Victor Herbert's tuneful operetta, The Only Girl, with its favorite melody, When You're Away. When you're away. We sang that one on front porches, on picnics, and around the piano of the parlor. The years when we drove Chalmers and Maxwell automobiles. People in the street weren't calling, get a horse, so often. In New York City, there was a new president of the friendly sons of St. Patrick. And it was Victor Herbert. The Victor Herbert who was giving us a grand march. It's a great day tonight for the Irish from his operetta, I Leave. Cheering Raymond Hitchcock in Hitty Coo. Many of Tin Pan Alley's newest songwriters were in their 20s. But a generation's favorite of them all, Victor Herbert, was approaching his 58th birthday. Happy birthday, Maestro! Happy birthday! Happy return to the day! Speech! Gentlemen, my boys, my boys, being members of my orchestra, you know I write music better than I speak. I am an American, and I hope a good one. But I think there's enough of my Irish ancestors left in me not to be ashamed of the tears I, I can't keep out of my eyes. I want to ask you if you won't play something for me. What let's see. Boys, it's got to be something from Eileen. Let's play Thine Alone. All right. All right. Will you lead us, Mr. Herbert? Better still, I'll play with you. Uh... Anybody bring along an extra cello? Hey, take mine, Mr. Herbert. Take mine. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, how about you singing it with us, my boy? Well, I'll try, Mr. Herbert. Fine, fine. Ready, boys? Yes, sir. All right, I'll start.
down through the years as the nation sang the melodies of Victor Herbert, there were the times when we gathered to hear him conduct his own music. One place was Willow Grove Park in Philadelphia, a national shrine for music lovers. Willow Grove, with its great orchestra shell and its electric fountain, and Victor Herbert in pinstripe trousers and cutaway leading the orchestra. Why, hello, Bill, my boy, my boy. How have you been? Fine. Still writing articles about music? Yeah, just got here for the last number. That that march of the toys is still good, Victor. Let's see, I forget now. When did you write that, anyhow? Uh, pretty long ago, I guess. 1920 now. That was back in 1903. About 17 years. Hmm. Oh, what are you working on now, Victor? I'm supposed to be busy on a ballet for the new Ziegfeld Follies. Sure. You'll be writing jazz yet. Oh, I don't know. I doubt that, my boy. I'll bet I'm right. You know, Victor, the amazing thing about your music is it's set right up with the time. You can be proud of it. Oh, well, Bill, I don't know. After all, I'm just a tunesmith. You don't want me to conduct livery stable blues or anything, do you? No, <laughs> although you're welcome to if you like. But here's the point, Victor. I want you to write something for the concert. Now, the ideal thing would be a suite, maybe three or four short numbers. You could write that... Wait note. a minute. Wait a minute, Paula. I don't know anything about writing for jazz bands, saxophones and everything. I really oh, don't. Oh, now, you. come on, Victor. You don't have to get hot. These can be perfectly straight pieces. George Gershwin promised to write a rhapsody for me, but I need you above all, Victor. Now, how about it? All right, Paul. I'll do it. I don't know how good it'll be, but I'll do it. Well, Victor, thanks. Thanks a lot. I'll get busy right away. Goodbye, Paul. Let's see now. Maybe serenade. Poor mood, perhaps. B flat. Hmm. I wonder how that would sound with a Cuban rhythm. 
Victor Herbert. Music for his generation and for ours. Down through the years, a nation cherishing that treasury of matchless melody. My little gypsy sweetheart. skirts, Victorias, and Nickelodeons would have vanished from the American scene, but not the music from the pen of Victor Herbert. everybody liked and everybody remembered. The choruses, the marches, solos and duets, and those spectacular Herbert finales. And today, it's an early Victor Herbert melody revived that reigns as one of America's current favorites, Indian Summer. music joins the past with the present. The music whose living beauty spans the years in the truest sense of the cavalcade of America. story from the wonder world of chemistry. If you were asked the question, which do you think makes the better perfume? A fragrant bouquet of lilies of the valley or a lump of black coal? The chances are you'd surely say the lilies of the valley. But strangely enough, the answer is coal. The true lily of the valley odor is not obtained by extracting the natural oils from the flowers themselves. The essence is too delicate to survive the process of extraction. But chemists, seeking to capture this delicate odor, found it in coal tar. For a world of women. The odor you smell as you pass the field of new-mown hay comes from a chemical called coumarin, formed on the drying grass. It isn't practicable to extract this elusive material. 
But the chemist succeeded in obtaining the same odor from the same compound, coumarin, extracted not from hay, but from coal tar. And this same compound, coumarin, is used as a basis of many fine perfumes today. Now, Mother Nature, wise and generous though she may be, did not think of everything. Nor did she, when she gave her flowers odor, have in mind the exact wishes of a pretty girl choosing a perfume to express her personality. So the chemist in DuPont and other laboratories started on the task of unlocking perfume from an unlikely-looking lump of coal, and has succeeded in creating fragrances that will put even the honeybee in the seventh heaven of delight. When nature caused a tree to grow or put coal in the ground, she didn't have man in mind. Man cut down the tree and made a house and furniture of it. Coal he burned in his home and forges. So he finally came to think that trees and coal were given him for those express purposes. However, the new generation is pretty well awakened to the idea that the way to get a perfect material for a purpose is first to write exacting service specifications for the material and then search for it. If it can't be found in nature's storehouse in usable form and in quantities that will make it inexpensive, we depend upon the chemist to synthesize it from abundant materials at hand. When it's finished, more often than not, it has no counterpart in nature, but is unexcelled in filling that particular need of man. In the DuPont exhibit at the World's Fair in New York, for instance, you will see many products besides aromatics for which coal is used as a chemical raw material. Fast dyes, antifreeze for your automobile, neoprene, man-made rubber, nylon, and many others. That, simply and briefly, is part of what lies behind DuPont's pledge, better things for better living through chemistry. And now the cavalcade of America's historian, Dr. Frank Monahan of Yale University. The American public was once agitated by this question, are women people? Next week, Cavalcade presents the story of the woman who gave the answer. She was Susan B. Anthony. To her, America owes much in its march toward equal human rights. It was her efforts which led to the adoption of our Constitution's 19th Amendment, women's right to vote. But more than that, the life of Susan B. Anthony is a testament of American faith in the ultimate triumph of complete and universal freedom. In our story of Susan B. Anthony, the Cavalcade of America will present the distinguished star of the American theater, Cornelia Otis Skinner, whose many performances on the stage and in radio rank her among the great actresses of our time. The orchestra and the musical effects on the Cavalcade of America are under the direction of Don Bury. This is Basil Risedale sending best wishes from DuPont. This is the National Broadcasting Company.